Hi, listeners. We want to tell you about some upcoming live events where you can join Kate and I. We're excited to announce that our upcoming Tend Her 3.0 program is happening. This is our third year in a row where we've received a grant that allows us to offer this program for free for up to 1,000 women. Our theme this year is resilience. We've realized these fast-moving times that are filled with lots of complexity require resilience. So in this four-week online program, we're going to be learning the science of resiliency, as well as all the tools that we need to strengthen our resiliency muscle. Registration for this opens October 4, and the program starts October 23. In addition, we are so excited to announce that this year we're adding to the Tend Her program an in-person Women's Resiliency Summit on Friday, November 17th from 9 to 4 p.m. It's going to be held at Little Lights on the Lane. Registration for this event will open October 23rd, the first day of the Tend Her 3.0 program. If you want to be first to know, follow us on Instagram at Kate Moreland Coaching, at Dr. Yoga Mama, and at Tend Her Wild. Last but certainly not least, consider joining Kate and I for a full live and in-person week of rewilding in the wilds of Costa Rica on yoga and meditation retreat, May 11th to the 18th, this coming 2024. Space is limited, but for more information on this event and how to register, go to www.oneyogaglobal.com. That's O-N-E, yogaglobal.com. Who were you before you lost your wild self? That's what we're helping you explore on the Tend Her Wild podcast. Through questions and tools around how best to listen to your inner voice, rewild ourselves, and live the most authentic life where we thrive instead of survive. I'm Betsy. And I'm Kate. And we're so glad you've joined us for this episode. podcast listeners. We are live in Cork, Ireland at a very beautiful hotel called Ballymolo House Hotel. Kate and I are here on a yoga retreat and this is a family-owned uh, hotel and restaurant which is nestled in the very lush countryside of East Cork. It is on 300 acres of land and there's also an internationally recognized uh, cookery school. So we are having an amazing week and meeting very powerful Irish and Irish transplanted women that we wanted to do an episode with. So our guest today is Brie Allen, who we've gotten the opportunity to meet this week and gotten to know a little bit here. And we are excited to have her on and share from Ireland uh, while we're here in this beautiful space and meeting with her family and getting to know these wonderful women, um, a little bit about her and also her connection to this place, which I would say is magical. And Very magical. Yes. has been um, such a wonderful experience for us. So welcome, Brie. Thank you very much. Oh, what a privilege. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on here. Well, I thought you were Irish and I just learned um, that you came to Ireland 20 years ago. Yeah. So I was born in Australia. I was actually born in Melbourne and then lived in Adelaide for a long time as well. 
Um, yeah. And then moved here, not until I was 26. 26. Okay. Um, we'll learn a little bit whether love brought you here. It didn't. I, well, it love didn't. for Ireland, but no, it wasn't love who brought love me here. Love for Ireland. Ireland. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was one of those really lucky people who um, I met my husband here after I'd lived here for a while. And I loved the country first and then my husband. Okay. Which I think is important when you're moving so far away from your family that you're settled within yourself before you mm. stay here for someone else agreed so thing. we always ask every every guest that comes on this episode to tell us about their first 10 years Kate and I have a theory that uh, our upbringing things that happen to us uh, really shape us in those first 10 years and it seems to me when we're interviewing people um, it really is like the foundation for the emergence of a woman's wildness later on in life Oh, yeah. So we would love to hear from you, Brie, about those first 10 years. When you first said this to me, the first 10 years, I'm not one of those people that has an amazing memory from my childhood. Yeah. I have like split second memories, but you, know, you talk to some people and they remember almost from birth the first 10 years. Yes, I don't. <laughs> so I was born in Melbourne with parents who didn't particularly like each other. Mm. In fact, Almost from the day, well, mum said, anyway, God, Dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But <laughs> from the day they met, well, the day they got married, she realised she'd made a mistake. Mm. So the first, she had me and then she had my sister. So for the first of eight years, really all I remember is quite a lot of conflict. And I'm sure it wasn't like that. And I'm sure actually there were some really wonderful times. But I don't remember them. Isn't that mm. terrible? Um I remember loving my pets and I remember having a wonderful bedroom. And I remember things like that, but I don't remember much about my parents being happy together, except I don't remember anything about my parents being happy together. Yeah. But I often wonder whether I've been influenced from later yeah. conversations with them because they really don't like, they still don't like each other. Are they still married? Yeah. No. Okay. Oh, no, no. The <laughs> best thing those people ever did at eight, well, I was eight and they you were eight. Divorced. Okay. okay. So and your then, early years really weren't were kind of probably the hardest in their marriage maybe oh too. oh absolutely I mean you know how hard it is having young kids yeah. and not really liking the person you're raising those kids with must be exhausting and not very pleasant but anyway they got divorced when I was eight I was the best thing they could have ever done they mm -hmm. both remarried extraordinary people like they divorced in September and then he my dad remarried in December and my mom remarried the following May and oh. both those people were just so kind and so brilliant and the best step parents you could ever ask for so life so from from eight onwards i have really wonderful memories so 26 was when you made your way to ireland yeah and what was it about this country that pulled you here all the way from australia, australia. well actually i was going backpacking and i was leaving australia and just going backpacking for two years but I needed a job when I first left and I wanted to live somewhere and work somewhere and then go off. Just quite Australian, and right? Very Australian. Yeah. yeah. And you go away for like a year or even longer. Yeah. 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 A year or two. It's so far away that once you get out of the country, because it takes you like 10 hours just to get out of Australian airspace. You, you, you stay for a long <laughs> you stay time. as long as you can. And it's yeah. expensive, so you end up staying for longer. But um, so I had actually... I didn't have my heart set on Ireland. I was uh, tossing up between Ireland and the UK. And actually, 
it just became easier to get a working visa in Ireland. Mm. Like it was so lovely. I sent my visa application in with my passport and I wanted to book my tickets and I rang the Irish embassy in Australia. It's not like this now, but we're going back a while. And I, the woman who answered the phone, I was like, excuse me, I'm just wondering about my visa application. And she said, oh, sure, what's your name? Flicked through some papers. She's like, oh, I've got you here. Hang on a sec. Oh, you're Garda Vetted. That's very good. I'm very good. And sure, I've stamped it. Go book your tickets. We'd love to have you. Mm. And it was just so easy and so welcoming and so lovely that I booked my tickets and about four weeks later left. And all on your own? All on my own. Yeah. Yeah. That's brave. such a wonder. I remember getting on the airplane and just, I think I'd been quite unhappy before deciding that I was going to go backpacking. I hadn't been loving my job. I hadn't been loving my life. And I got on that plane. It was just like, oh, the adventure, mm. the adventure of going new places and meeting new people and seeing new things. It was so exciting. Um, and I'd already got this job. I had applied for this job in Ballymaru before I left Australia. So okay, I knew wait, I wait, wait, wait. Oh. So not only did you fly to Ireland, but you flew directly to where you we live and work now and married into. <laughs> so it wasn't like it took you a little bit of time to find this place. Like no. what can we call this like fate? Yeah. There's something no. very yeah. fate. And how would you I'm thinking back, you you would have been pre-internet. Yeah. You didn't know what this place was. How did you find this job? A friend of my dad's had been here and mm. she recommended that I get in touch with this place and um, put in my application to see if I could get a job. Mm. And, and what was your official first job? Like what was your first position here? I was waitressing. You were waitressing? Um, yeah. I waitressed for all of about three weeks and then they moved me to reception and I'm not quite sure if that was because I was a really bad waitress <laughs> or whether because I was very friendly oh, yeah. and um, I was slightly older too I was 25 26 so um, I sort of had probably a bit more maturity to be on reception and to cope with the pressures of working on reception yeah. and doing all those things so yeah so you loved it from the beginning very beginning coming up the driveway on the very first day I'll always remember it and just seeing the house for the first time oh. it was something inside me just clicked and I knew I was in the right place mm. I didn't think I'd spend the rest of my life here <laughs> <laughs> definitely didn't think that but I definitely there was something there's something about the bricks and mortar of that building yes that are it's really special it's it a is a really special place driving yeah. up is really an a an image that I will forever have now. It is, mm. It's stunning. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Well, and we've had a little history tour of this place. And the thing that struck me most is that this place has always been a beacon of peace. There's been a lot of wars and a lot of, um, you know, upheaval in this country. And Balimlu always remained neutral. neutral. And so I think that brings a lot of yeah. power and you know good energy to this mm -hmm. place and I I think you feel it you do and there's also lots of natural springs there's lots of natural water springs and there's there's a, cl a, a clean might, that sounds wrong it sounds a bit weird actually but there's a clean feeling to it yes. because it's got its own water source it's a clean water source so at some point you met someone oh yeah so <laughs> my husband so I had obviously he, he is um part of the, the Allen family who own Ballymurray now and he so I'd sort of known Cully we moved in very different social circles actually 
but I'd sort of known him and to see and to have a pint with in the pub or whatever. And then he was looking for a housemate. And the two of us ended up sharing a house together. Mm. And um, one thing led to another. And, <laughs> and um, quite a few gin and tonics might have led to this. But anyway, we ended up having a baby together as just very good friends. Um, she wasn't 100% planned. She wasn't planned at all, actually. She's well aware of it. And um, so, I mean, one of those really extraordinary situations where I got pregnant by accident with someone who I really cared for and liked but hadn't imagined living the rest of my life with and then we slowly over time fell in love and now mm. I'm married to this man that I absolutely adore and every year I love him a little bit more mm. but it wasn't this sort of love at first sight I'm yeah. going to spend the rest of my life with you it was more like Actually, you're quite nice to share a house with. (laughs) And then you're, and and actually, he's an amazing dad. And and so we hadn't sort of met. It wasn't like fireworks or anything like that. But we, yeah, this really lovely man. I love this story. I love this story because you don't, I think this happens, of course, but you don't hear it. You hear the stories of, I saw him and I knew right away he would be my husband. And so I think this is a brilliant story about you not expecting this or foreseeing this. And yet going up and your relationship is growing stronger with each year that passes. It's a beautiful story. Yeah. And I think it's a lovely, you know, I, I think it's a lovely way of I try and give my sorry, I try and give my daughters this sort of advice of sometimes love isn't a burst. Sometimes it grows slowly. Yeah, and yes. actually, when you grow as friends first and friends with a child, <laughs> who then decide to have more children and get married. And like we had two children before we got married and I was pregnant with the third. So we'd very much made our commitment to each other quite soon after having Ivan, which is my eldest daughter. Um, but it's it means your, your, your base is very strong. Yes, foundation. It's a really strong foundation for a marriage and it's not you know, it's hard. Marriage is hard. I think that um, women, especially, we are conditioned from, I, I don't think it's our parents, I think it's from maybe our age and our, our generation, we were conditioned to be a certain way. And then as you get older, you start realizing that actually, I don't want to be that person that I was when I was 26 or 25 or 30. Actually, I'm this person. And you're, your level of forgiveness changes, your level of confidence changes, your, your very being, I think, evolves. And men, maybe some of them don't tend to evolve like that. Mm, so if you're not yeah. with someone who can evolve with you or, or accept your evolution, then it can be very, um, it can be exhausting because they fall in love with one person. And you become yeah. someone different. You do. You grow. Lot of, not all women do, but I certainly have. I'm a very different person now to what yeah. I was when even when Colleen met. But to be in a relationship where there's an appreciation for every stage. Yeah. It's yeah. What it sounds like you you experienced with him. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm not sure he even realizes it, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is a big family business. And so what I'm curious about, this is a, it's a, an amazing hotel with 33 rooms. It's a a, like four star, five star restaurant. It's a cooking school. It's farm, farm, organic farm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on here. 
So do you even know how many family members? Because the the parents who started it all yeah. had six children. They did, yeah. And your husband is one of the grandchildren. One of the grandchildren. So yeah. currently, how many of the Allen family and spouses are involved in all these different entrepreneurial oh, parts? I actually, I stumped her. I, you did. You stumped me. <laughs> I'd be making Too a many really to count. Because there's, there's Belling Blue House and obviously Mr. and Mrs. Allen, Myrtle Allen, and Ivan Allen, they had their six children. And then of those six children, they went off and started their own businesses under the umbrella yes. of Ballymaloo. So there's Ballymaloo Relish, which is a, a chutney style. And there's you know, Yaz, one of Mr. and Mrs. Allen's daughters, started that. And then all their kids work in that business. Mm. Do they? Yeah, all the kids work in that business now. So that's really, that's a very strong family core. And then with the hotel, my mother-in-law, Hazel, she ran that for years. And now her daughter, Roisin, is the assistant manager. And Mr. and Mrs. Allen's daughter, Fern, so of the sort of second generation, she's working up there. And then you've got the cookery school with Jarena and Rachel and Toby. And it's Penny. a lot, isn't it? It's just... Everyone's sort of, and actually, one of the really amazing things is, or one of the many amazing things, is that there's this sort of core house and then the there's sort of this people living around this core house i think there's only about four people who have moved outside of a 30 kilometer yeah. radius wow. everyone's so, still here yeah. does everyone get along i'm thinking like and maybe you don't want to answer this but <laughs> like it's kind of phenomenal oh, to me that yeah. there that everyone again maybe it's the magic of this land and but it is, yeah. it's kind of amazing that everyone is stuck so close and becomes so involved with. And everyone does get along. And I'm not just saying that. Wow. That's big. I mean, it's not. Rare. It's rare. And it's, and it's, it's slightly um, based on Mr. and Mrs. Allen's ethos of they were Quakers. So the door was never locked. It's still not locked. You know, the door is always open for whoever needs to come through. And if you're in need, then definitely come in and you'll be minded and there's an honesty in that approach to life yeah it's very mm. unjudgmental um and caring you know mr and mrs allen were very i never actually met mr allen i only he passed away sadly before i moved here so it was really mrs allen and um she was such an extraordinary strong woman who was always really giving and in that her two sons married these two women, Hazel and Darina, who have that same ethos. Mm. And they they see things in people that you miss, other people miss, but they see it. And they might not give you a hug themselves, but they find someone to give you a hug. And then they've passed that on to their kids and their sons and daughters. So there's that lovely ethos and I mean, of course, we all have disagreements and, you know, everyone has strong opinions. Like it's definitely a family of very strong opinions. But at the same time, everyone's allowed to have their strong opinion mm. and, and their, you know, you work through things. You work through things. And if someone really feels strongly about something, the family is willing to let them try. And there's no such thing as failure or embarrassment through failure. Oh. It's really like try it see if it works if it works we'll stand behind like they'll stand behind you no matter what but they'll cheer you on 
And if it doesn't work, they'll pat you on the back and say, we'll try something different next year and we'll do it better. So it's it's a really lovely um, ethos to live with. Yeah. And that's why we all get along. Also at Christmas time, we the house closes at Christmas. <laughs> what I always say to people. And the hotel closes at Christmas and we all, whoever wants to, comes to Bellingly for dinner. And everyone gets a job and we all cook and clean and set the table and serve and everything else. And it can be 70 people. Mm. Now the chefs in the kitchen do a lot of the prep, so it's not like we're having to do everything, but you know, it's fun. But then they have this game called the whacking game, would you believe? The whacking <laughs> it's game. Yeah. The whacking game. So they get newspaper and they roll it into a stick and they put tape around it. And then the drawing room, which you've seen is this really lovely room, all the furniture gets pushed back and turned into a circle, and everyone sits in the circle. The kids love this game. And the two whackers are put in into a basket in the middle and in someone's it they pick up the whacker and they go and tap the other person and then you have to get the whacker back into the basket and into your seat before the other person that you've tapped gets the whacker and hits you with it <laughs> is, this like, is this like duck duck goose is this like an irish like... form of duck duck goose i've never heard of oh, duck see, duck maybe goose, maybe that's what it is yeah. but um it's the best fun and i always like think that actually if you're having problems with someone and it's, this is that's your opportunity this is your opportunity to <laughs> yeah, <whack> absolutely <laughs> oh can we i really want to talk about myrtle because yeah. i myrtle feel, Allen. yeah that yeah. she was extraordinary she and she she lived till 94 94 yeah yeah and we asked how long she worked up until her death and they said about two days before yeah it so wasn't she, like that. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, was, she was sounds like such a figure and a model for everyone, uh, even to the end of uh and, and was yeah. so entrepreneurial in her own endeavors. Well, she didn't stop Bunning Lou. And I think this is really amazing for everyone, sort of who puts so much pressure, women especially, we put so much pressure on ourselves. She didn't start until she was 41. Yeah. So actually she'd had her family because obviously people started much earlier then, but she'd had her family. I think her youngest was maybe eight when I think Fern was nearly maybe 10 even. Um, so she sort of could throw herself into it in lots of ways, and she did. That she also saw, without even knowing she was doing it, I don't think she went out to, to become this icon of Irish food, which is what she really became. Because yeah. she just, all she did really was think, we should be eating the food that we're growing and we should be celebrating Ireland and Irish food and not looking at other shores across the water. We don't need food from there. We can just do it from here. And now life's a bit different and, and we don't all have these amazing gardens that we can pick and <laughs> choose from. So we need our supermarkets. But, but that was her ethos. It was like, eat Irish, enjoy being Irish, celebrate Irish food and through that that's like she started by putting an ad in the local newspaper come dine in the country hotel and opened up the the dining room in Ballingaloo for 20 guests a night or whatever to and started feeding people that way and and just served food that was fish that was straight off the boats in Ballycotton and food that came from the gardens that were at the back and you know, Mrs. O'Hearn and her ducks, like five kilometers that way. So she started this sort of farm to fork and eating way locally. before, like how in, many years in the six decades? Yeah. yeah, decades before yeah. it's it's very posh yeah. now, of course. 
And then she also, but she also really championed um, young chefs, young female chefs, young chefs, um, youth. She was really, she started um, Eurotalk, which is a, it's a European, actually, chefs association. So she was one of the founding members of that. So she was years before her, yeah. for her time. So she was having quite a big career in the 60s and 70s yeah. for a woman. And she started a restaurant. She started a well. restaurant. Yeah, we yes. heard she went to Paris. She, oh, yeah. she studied with Julia Child. Yeah. Then she started a restaurant in Paris that she ran and was famously popular, an Irish restaurant. Yeah, they used to make the bread, the brown bread here, and they fly it, it and fly yeah. it over. And I mean, amazing. You wouldn't even think of it now. Unbelievable. Yeah. But amazing. what I'm curious about is if you know any stories, did she get, um, I guess I have two questions. Was her husband 100% supportive of all this? And then did she get any pushback from other women or people in the community that she was doing so much that she was, you know, ambitious. so ambitious? Yeah. Well, her husband was definitely 100% because he was a farmer. And let's face it, farming is um, financially treacherous because you're so dependent on the weather. And you've been here this week and we've had yeah. sunshine, storms, weather warnings, wind, wind warnings, wind warnings yeah, you know, and then you, know, you never know what you're going to get. So, um, so he I loved think, that she was financially bringing in yeah, and, and, and supporting. And, and they bought Ballymaloo with a mortgage. And a big country house like that, like it's expensive. It's expensive to heat. It's expensive yeah. to keep. It's expensive to re-roof. It, you know, it, there's a house like that sucks money dry. So I, as I said, I never met him, but I could definitely imagine him seeing any form of yeah. income coming from anywhere and being successful. Definitely positive and I mean they took the lads from the farm and had them working in the drawing room as well and Joe who um, was working in Ballymaloo for 70 years he started with Mr Allen in the farm and then I think Mr Allen used to do the drawing room and he decided that he um he wanted to go out that night and play poker with his friends and Mrs Allen said yeah that's fine but you have to find someone to replace you so he went out and lined all the field lights up and held up his suit and walked along until he found someone that would fit the suit. <laughs> and then Joe got a job. So Joe started working in the drawing room and never looked back. Aww. So my mother-in-law, Hazel, she and um, and the, the other daughter-in-law, Darina, they were both studying hospitality in Dublin and they wanted to come and work here to work with Mrs. Allen. And then they ended up marrying the two sons and Hazel was general manager of Banning Lou and then Darina started the cookery school with her. Which is world renowned now. Yeah, it's a world renowned cookery school. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. these so, women would come to hone their skills. Yeah. And, and end up married. Married. <laughs> like you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But then they, so that's what we sense about like, yeah. these, these wild, strong, ambitious women that. Yeah. And uh, are supported by the men in their life. Yes. They're not yeah. sort of expected to take a different route or, or a backseat. Backseat. No. They're oh, no, no, no. encouraged. They're, they're encouraged and they're cherished yeah. in there. Yeah. Is that an Irish thing or is yeah. that just a Ballymoo phenomenon? I think it's becoming more of an Irish thing, but I'm not sure if it was a traditionally an Irish thing. I think. And this is for me looking on the outside, so I'll probably upset quite a lot of Irish people saying this, but um, 
from what I can understand is that the the church had um people were the Catholic church people were very religious the Irish people were very religious and up until the 90s it was a, a very poor country right. it wasn't wealthy it's very wealthy now compared to what it was and women were having a lot of children because the Catholic church doesn't right. believe in contraception mm -hmm. so you know women were churning out babies a lot of them yeah <laughs> and it's a lot of work so it's a lot of work and they were at home with these kids and extraordinary women like having seven eight nine children in this climate in small cottages and you know the strength that they must have had yeah yes was amazing physical, and they weren't they, yeah. physical emotional they often they didn't have cars they didn't have washing machines you know when we're talking the 70s and 80s so Irish women I think are their inner core must be made of rock because yeah, they're just party. yeah it's so amazing yeah. really amazing well, share with our listeners what it is you do here and what your role has maybe become over time and what you love so much about your, your work here. Okay, so I um, I worked in Ballinglu House up until I had my first child, actually, and then um, I had some health complications with having a van, not a serious one, but enough that I didn't particularly want to work in the public eye for a, a little while. And so I sort of stopped working really and sort of dabbled here and there and then in 2017 um we someone else was running a craft fair here and it was really well run it was really lovely and I started having very strong opinions about exactly how it should be run and how we could improve it make it bigger and better and, da, da, da. and the woman that was running it decided that she was going to retire and she was going to stop doing it so I stepped in so I started back working really just running this craft fair and and um, it was just in one room and it was, you know, it was, well, no, it was in the big shed as well. Anyway, I, it just became my passion. I love it. And I love Irish craft. I love seeing Irish, um, how amazing the Irish people are at taking their hands and turning it into this extraordinary yes. item that we can use every day in our house or wear or jewellery and, and crockery and plates and everything else anyway I could talk about that for hours um so I started there and then um my father-in-law being my father-in-law <laughs> we should do another one yeah <laughs> so then we started doing a second festival and then so this family thinks big you can tell this family really thinks big and they go yeah. for it yeah they do and they innovative do. and innovative yeah and then during lockdown um a good friend of mine um is a yoga instructor and we decided we'd start doing yoga retreats in the grain store so I started running yoga retreats just we did quite a few during lockdown actually every time they allowed us to have more than two people in a room together we put on a yoga retreat and <laughs> um, so we did quite a lot of that and then sort of the yoga retreats led into me becoming more and more involved in the grain store so now I run the grain store which is and a venue is where wedding weddings, events, music, events. Yes. Yeah. Yoga retreats. Beautiful. Okay. Cold swimming. We have to talk oh, yeah. about cold swimming. Yeah, you're a cold swimmer. Because yeah. I met you on the first day I showed up and you were telling our group all the different things we could do. And you said, oh, yes. And I go cold swimming three mornings a week if anyone would like to join me at 6.30 a.m. So tell us about this. 
that why really, well that really started because um friends of mine started doing it and i in my australian blood i was like absolutely not am i getting into this cold water and then um i started swimming with them because i was standing on the beach and was getting a bit bored and they were all having such fun in the water that i started in summer and i started getting into the water more and more and then as the weather got colder I suddenly realized that actually mentally it was having a huge benefit. I wasn't as stressed. I wasn't as hyper. I was not getting cross at home as much. And it was just, I actually call it my near death experience <laughs> because you get into this cold water and your body just goes, uh, freaks out. Yeah. yeah. And your brain is clear. And also, so it's partly that. And I also think we don't, we dip, we're not swimmers. We get into the water, we flounder around. <laughs> we have a laugh and a chat and whoever's got something they need to get off their chest, if they need emotional support, if they've had a really bad day, if they just need a laugh, you know. You're so there have, for one another. You're there for one another. And it's, you're there for one another without having to sit down and have a cup of tea or something that takes a long time. Literally, it's just half an hour. You're in the water. Wait, wait, wait. It's 30 minutes. Oh, no, no, no sorry. Okay, We're no, no, together no. for half an hour. Okay, but tell you're me how long you're in the water. But I, every time we do it, especially in the middle of winter, in December or January, February, like we've definitely been in the water for 10 minutes. We've definitely been there for 10 minutes and you get out and it's been two. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Time so, morphs while yeah, you're in there. Morphs, yeah. And sometimes we do stay in for longer. Yeah. Sometimes, but you don't want, because we're not swimming and we're not moving as much as someone who's cold water swimming, you can't stay in for too long. Yeah. Then your, if your core gets cold, it's really hard. How do you know when it's time to get out? Your body gonna tells you. Yeah, I know. We're going to go on Friday. Yeah. Your so body tells you. We're going to try it. Yeah. Yeah. The water's actually not that cold. Well, it's still cold. <laughs> it's going to no, be it's cold. Really cold. It's cold. But actually, because we're on the Gulf Stream, September's the warmest time to swim in Ireland. Or one of the warmest times. Mind you, it's been very, very wet, but it's one of the warmest times to swim because it's just after the summer. So the water's warm. Can, can we still call it cold swimming? You can still call it can cold we, swimming. Okay. Oh, yeah, it's still, still cold swimming. Okay, we're still it's not Mediterranean in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> it's still cold yeah. Well, we always like to ask a question uh, of our guests. And um, I first want to just thank you. We asked you to do this, if you would do this about 24 hours ago. <laughs> and you just said yes. You didn't know much about, you know, us or the podcast. And so... Thank you for your courage and just saying yes. Thank you. Love getting to know you. Um, we talked with you about the women who run with the wolves, the book yeah. about the wild woman archetype. And so we always like to ask our guests, um, which door you went through into your life as a wild woman. So if you have a deep scar, that is a door. If you have an old, old story, that is a door. If you love the sky and the water so much, you can almost not bear it that is the door. And if you yearn for a saner life, a full life, a deeper, deeper life, life that is a door. So which door do you oh, feel? I think probably the nature life. I love sky, sky and water. 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 Yeah. yeah. Australian to, to Ireland. Yeah. And both have beautiful skies and waters. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they do. They do. Very different. Yeah, I love the outback in Australia. There's something about the dry heat and the red sand and the smell and the birds There's and the eucalyptus trees. There's something really amazing about the countryside in Australia. 
and like today is wild here and I love that you love I the love wild energy the, the, the wind energy. and the rain and yeah yeah it's just see she is she is clearly a wild woman yes you are yes you are and thank you for sharing more on this beautiful place and the family and your your backstory and we're going to put in the show notes today how people can find this gem of a location in cork ireland bali malu come to cooking school come stay here come eat here do yoga Uh, come do yoga here it's it's been phenomenal well thank you again thank you lovely conversation chance to speak about yourself for an hour. Yeah, like it's fabulous. Thank you, Hello, listeners. We want to let you know that we have so much gratitude that you join us in these conversations every week. We want to continue to uplift and connect with women-owned businesses and businesses that are supporting women. So if you are one of those or have a recommendation for someone that may want to sponsor an episode please have them reach out at tendherwild.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Kate Moreland Coaching and Heartland Yoga. As a coach, I am an advocate for authenticity and well-being for individuals, organizations, and communities. Through my coaching work, I like to help you connect to your authenticity. Whether you're an individual, a leader, or an organization, your creative power lies in your authenticity. Doing the work to understand your strengths and acknowledge the patterns and rocks that are in your way is the path to well-being. Whether it's your career or your relationship with yourself or others, transformative change begins within. You can reach me at katemorelandcoaching.com. Heartland Yoga has been in business for nearly 15 years. I founded this studio with the intention for it to be a safe place where people could come and heal. I also knew that I wanted a business that fostered community and connection. So if you are looking to deepen your yoga practice, heal from physical, emotional, mental wounds, or simply connect with people who are like-minded, Heartland Yoga is a place that we would love to welcome you into, whether it's online or in person. You can find out more information at www.heartlandyoga.com. And now the amazing singer-songwriter, Lissy Morris with Wild West. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. Come back and rewild with us again next week.